But right now, we're going to talk about continuing our series of prayer and fasting. If you could open up your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6. If you don't have an outline, you pick one right up out the center doors at the ministry counter. Uh, today, we're going to be talking about fasting, yes. And I know right after church, you're going to be going to the potluck to eat. Good timing, how fasting. <laughs> we're going to be talking about that. Uh, last week, we launched our prayer, today's fasting. And we'll conclude with next week with prayer and fasting. Uh, but last, let's talk a little about fasting. There's two different kinds of hunger pains. Maybe you know this. The first one is called, they say, the homeostasis hunger pains. That's when your body says, I need energy, I need food. Feed me, feed me, right? And we eat, and that's a good hunger pain, right? They have those. God gives us those hunger pains. No, you need to eat. There's another kind of hunger pain called hedonic hunger pain. And that's where we have that big Thanksgiving dinner with all the turkey and all the stuffing and all those side dishes that you'll have like you're going to do at the potluck today. And you're going to have all those things that we're going to eat. And you say, man, I'm just filled. I'm filled. I can't eat anything else. But then you look over there and see those, the pumpkin pie, the apple pie, whatever kind of pie you like. You say, well, I got to have a big slice of that pumpkin pie or whatever it is. Put the whipped cream on it and you eat that. So you're so filled up. Now you get out of your seat and you're filled up to here. If you've been like that, you're filled up to here. You go down, you sit down, and you're, you're going to watch some TV, and the football game's on. And you look where the football game's on. You can't watch a football game without, what, some chips or something like that. So you see that bag of chips, and you start reaching your hand in the bag of chips and dipping it in there. And that hedonic hunger pains are the ones that keep your hand reaching in that bag of chips that there's no more chips left. In other words, you're not really hungry, but you continue to eat for whatever reason, Right? And that's what we do. And we know when we're full physically, you know, we, we know what that feels like. I mean, it just feels filled. But how, how do we know we're full spiritually? How do we address uh, when we're spiritually starving? How do we address that in our lives? When those pains come and they say to us, God, uh, why are you, where are you, God? Why are you so far away? I want to get close to you. How do I get close to you, God? When those hunger pains come in our lives, those spiritual hunger pains, we could do one or two things. One, we can ignore them. We can ignore them. Many people do. Or we can address them. And there's a couple of ways that we can address them. One is get more in the Word of God, right? Get into God's Word and start reading this Word. Second, we can pray and start praying. And third, we can fast. Fast is another way. And the definition of fasting that I want to use today for fasting is this. Fasting is abstaining from something, typically food, for a determined period of time to weaken the flesh while strengthening the spirit. Let me repeat that again. Fasting is abstaining from something, typically food, for a determined period of time to weaken the flesh while strengthening the spirit. If you have your, we're going to talk more about that. If you have your Bibles to Matthew chapter 6, Jesus was speaking there in the Sermon on the Mount there and, and primarily speaking to Jewish people on the northern shore of the Sea of Galilee. He's speaking to them, and, and it's a beautiful sloping hill that is there, and it's got a flat spot on top of the hill. And you look south of that, you see the Sea of Galilee. And Jesus is there speaking. You can just picture the people on the side of the hill probably scattered out there, and they're hearing Jesus teach the most famous sermon he preached, the most famous sermon of all time, the Sermon on the Mount. And the key to understanding the Sermon on the Mount is Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. You might want to write that down or highlight that. Because if you really want to understand this whole sermon, the why Jesus says what he says, you've got to understand Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. Keep in mind, at that time, there were Pharisees, and there were these religious leaders. They had a lot of rules. All the rules were external rules. 
They fasted a couple days a week. They, they, they gave to the poor. They prayed many times during the day. And then Jesus tells them this in Matthew chapter 5, verse 20. He says, For I tell you that unless your righteousness surpasses that of the Pharisees and the teachers of the law, you will certainly not enter the kingdom of heaven. And if you're a Pharisee and you're, you're hearing that, you kind of scratch your head and say, what? What are you saying? Are you kidding me? Do you understand what I do? I fast two times a week. I mean, I eat nothing in those days. I, I, I pray. I pray many times a day. I give to the poor. What more do you want from me? What more do I have to do so that I can see the kingdom of God? Do I got to fast three days a week? Would four days a week, would that do it so I could enter it? What more do you want from me? By the way, the same question was asked in Micah chapter 6, verse 8, where, God said, where they asked, God, what do you want from us, God? What do you want from us, God? And God addressed that there in Micah. And Jesus addresses here, right here in Matthew chapter 6, what God is saying back then to them in Micah, and what Jesus was saying in Matthew chapter 6, which applies to us today, what God is saying, what I really want from you, you want to know what I really want from you? I want your heart. That's what God wants. He said, I want your heart. That's what I want. See, righteousness has, has to come from within, and it can't be what outward of performance. So Jesus is sharing here, and it's beautiful what he's sharing here, because who would ever thought that our spiritual hunger can be addressed by physically fasting? Who would ever thought that? But Jesus says it can. So Matthew chapter 6 gives us these sim three simple principles to help us live a life that is full and in balance with Jesus. Okay, so you ready? You have your outlines ready? Three simple principles. The first one we are to fast relationally and not religiously. Not religiously, relationally. Matthew chapter 6, verse 1. It says, Be careful not to do your acts of righteousness before men to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father in heaven. Acts of righteousness means giving to the poor, giving your tithe. It means pray, fasting, serving, all those kind of things. You ask, how can I do this so no one else can see me? How, how can I possibly do that? And he's saying to be seen by them. In other words, he says, that's your motive. That we do those things to be seen by other people. That we pray to be seen by other people. We fast to be seen by other people. We serve to be seen by other people. That's what he's saying. And if you do that, he says, there will no, be no reward from your Father in heaven. And he says, and you're going to receive your reward. It will be from people. That's your reward, what they say to you. Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, Jesus says this. When you fast... Do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show men they are fasting. I tell you the truth, they have received the reward in full. What Jesus is saying, he says, don't be a hypocrite. Don't have your motive for your righteousness to be seen by other people. This is what he's saying. In other words, for example, if I come up to you and I said, hey, you hungry? And, and if you are today, we got the potluck. I keep saying that because I want you all to come. But if I come up to you and say, hey, you hungry? Uh, I'm going to take you out to lunch. Uh, pick the restaurant, I'm buying. And so we go out to this restaurant and, and we get there and the waiter or waitress comes up, they ask what we want. They say, you go ahead and order. And you order what you like from this restaurant. And they ask me, so what I want, and they says, oh, uh, I'll just take a glass of water. No lemon, please. And they say, you sure? Yeah, I'm sure. And then you look after they leave, says, aren't you hungry? Oh, I'm starving. I'm really hungry. But I'm fasting. I'm trying to get closer to God. I'm really trying to get to know him. You go ahead and eat. You enjoy yourself. And they look at me and say, wow, he must be really spiritual. That's my reward. And when my motive is that, the, my, the Father in heaven, he could care less what I'm doing there because I'm not glorifying him. It's all about me when I do that. 
See, the praise of men is the reward for those who practice their righteousness in kind of a theatrical performance. And that does, that's what that is. You want people to see what you were doing, an outward performance, be seen of men. And so how long does the praise of men last? How long does it last, you say? Can you say nanosecond? Can everyone say nanosecond? Say it, nanosecond. It lasts about that long. That's how long it lasts. As soon as you can say that, it's over. It's over. It lasts that long. It, it doesn't last it wor- long at all. It's not worth it for exchange. What we could have, what we could have is a reward from God. That's what he promises. But when we are doing it for praise for men, that's our reward. That's all we get. When I look at the Old Testament, I find that people fasted a lot in the Old Testament. That the Jewish community, which Jesus was speaking to in Matthew chapter 6, they understood fasting. They fasted on the Day of Atonement every year. They would do other fasts. None of them required other than the Day of Atonement, but they fasted a lot. And what I find from them is they were basically three types of fast that they did. And I want to share those with you, those three types of fast. The first one I would call was a confessional type of fast that they did. It's where they recognized they were deep in sin and they had to do something something major to change all this. It was kind of a spiritual detox is what they were trying to do. But they were going to come before God and put away food to try to reconnect and connect with the fathers, what they're going to try to do. And you find that in the book of Jonah. Jonah chapter 3, if you remember, the Jonah prophet went to preach to the Ninevites to repent or God's going to destroy the city. And the people said, hey, we're going to repent. And they came to understanding the depths of their sin against the holy God. And what they did, they declared a fast. And they put on sackcloths with their clothes of the dead. They, they covered their bodies with ashes. And they came and dealt with the depth of their sin before a holy God. That's what you call a confessional type of fast is what we see. And maybe you need that, a confessional type of fast. A second type of fast is a petition type of fast. It's where you're so burdened by something in your life. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one. Maybe it's a marriage that is struggling. Maybe it's a child that's making a lot of bad decisions. Maybe it's a health problem in your own life, a health report, or or health is someone very close to you. Maybe it's finances. Uh, But it's the things that wake us up at night. Or, or the things that won't allow us to go to sleep. It's those kind of things. That were that petition type of fast. So those things that were so burdened by that petition of that prayer that many times it becomes so important. And in fact, many times that becomes so important, we're so burdened by it that we even forget about to eat. It's kind of the, kind of the petition type of fast where we have. Remember Queen Esther and the book of Esther had that. She was a Jewish lady in, in, in front of a heathen king at the court of a heathen king. And he was going to destroy all the Jews. And she said to her Jewish friend, listen, I've got to go before the king and and request for him not to do this. Listen, he may take my life and therefore you're going to lose your life. So would you pray and fast for me that God would give us the right answer? And so she asked for prayer and fasting. We find Nehemiah, when Nehemiah heard about the situation in Jerusalem, he was in Persia at the time. The Bible says, he says, "I I fasted and prayed night and day for that. That's a petition type of fast. That's legitimate fast, petition, uh, prayer request that we have. They say, boy, I'm going to put off food or put off, sacrifice something so I can really connect with God. The third type of fast is a consecration type fast where a person recognizes that my life is spiritually boring, that I'm lukewarm, I'm kind of stagnant in my walk, I'm repeating this year what I did last year, what I did in 2020, what I did in 2019, what I did in 2018. You understand what I'm saying? I am not growing at all. I haven't grown. I'm just stagnant right now, and I'm just going through the motions, and I need something that's really going to shake me up, 
going to shake my life up. And so maybe you fast and say, I'm going to fast from food maybe a day or two days or three days or whatever it takes so that I can reconnect with God and find God's priorities for my life. And so that's a consecration type of fast that people did to really draw closer to God. But with those fasts, when you do those fasts, whatever it may be, is to connect with the Father or connect with Jesus, right? That's why you're fasting. That's what fasting is all about. It's not a theatrical performance. It's not to come and so other people can see. What fasting is, is I'm going to sacrifice. If I'm not going to eat or whatever it may be, I'm not going to do that thing. Instead of doing that, I'm going to connect with God. I'm going to spend time with God and pour my heart into Him to connect with Him. That's what fasting is. Because these Pharisees, they would draw attention to themselves. And what the Bible says is they would kind of disfigure their faces, kind of pull their cheekbones in a little bit, pull through the cheeks in so people would look at them and say, what's wrong? Are you all right? Oh, yeah, I'm just fasting. I'm just trying to draw closer to God. And the people say, wow. And they go share it with other people. You know what the Pharisees are doing? These religious leaders are doing? And that would be the reward. That's the reward, the praise of men. It has to be done relationally when you fast, not religiously, not for other people to see. When we become more concerned about the outside than what's going on the inside, we are just a step away from what the Bible calls is hypocrites. That's what a hypocrite does. They're all concerned about the outside. They don't care what the inside does. The most important part of my life is what God can only see, right? It's the inside. God is interested in the heart. He's interested on the inside because if God changed the inside, the outside would take care of itself. But there's so many people, they're interested in the outside and they don't care about the inside. But it's the inside what God wants to change because he knows if he can change the inside, everything else is going to change. The outside will change. So Jesus addresses it here. He addresses it in terms of motives. First of all, he says fast relationally, a relationship with God, not religiously, not religiously, not as a theatrical performance. The simple, second simple principle is really an overlap of this, is fast secretly, fast secretly. He says in Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18, But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so that it will not be obvious to men that you are fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. In other words, the day that you fast, still take a shower, is what he's saying. Men, if you shave every day, shave. Ladies, if you put makeup on every day, it means you still put makeup on that day. Not to draw any attention to yourself, because that's what fasting, the purpose of fasting is not to draw attention to ourself, but to draw closer to God. That's what fasting is about. Not to let everyone know, you know what I'm doing. You know what I'm doing. I'm fasting. I'm going to go fast today. It's about you connecting with God, and no one else has to know what you're doing, right? And Jesus says fast secretly. By the way, that's kind of hard to do when you're in a home with a husband or wife that they don't know what you're doing. Of course, they're going to know. You haven't been eating. They're going to know that. But that's not the point. The point is, we don't do it for other people to notice. Our motive is to draw closer to Jesus, right? To draw closer to the Father. God knows our motives. He knows what our true motive is. We can fool many other people, but we can't fool God. We can say, oh, I'm doing this, God, to really glorify you. But God knows if you really want people to notice or, or get attention from other people what you're doing. God knows that. That's in anything we do for God. Serving, praying, giving, all those kind of things. God knows our motives. So we, we do what we normally do every other day when we fast. We don't do anything different. So we don't want to draw attention to ourselves. Jesus said, do it secretly. And we see that Jesus fasted, right? We know that. We read about it in Scripture. And I would suggest to you today that fasting was hard. Jesus did it for 40 days in 49. It's the modelium Jesus. To tell us that fasting is, it, it can have some value in our lives. To reconnect or connect in a deeper and greater way to God the Father. 
Fasting is good. Jesus did it, and he models it for us. The third simple principle is fast expectantly. Expectantly will you fast. Matthew chapter 6, verse 17 and 18. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face, so it will not be obvious to men that you're fasting, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. There's a huge truth that is in these simple verses that's what goes way beyond fasting. And the huge truth is this. The Heavenly Father sees what's inside of us. You ever think about that? He sees what's inside of us. Even our motives, our thoughts, our hearts, our attitudes, everything. He sees everything. And so when we're fasting, when we're praying, when we're giving, when we're serving, whatever our worship is, when we sing, he hears our words. He hears the words that you're singing this morning, and he knows if you really believe them. He knows if you're really singing the truth, and this is what you believe, and you're singing with all your heart. He knows that. Amos chapter 5, God was listening to the music, and it must have been beautiful. But God says, stop the music, stop the music. You think, what, somebody missed a note? But it had nothing to do with the heart art form. It had everything to do with the heart condition. What God was saying to them, I see your hearts. I see what's on the inside, what nobody else can see, and your hearts are not right. When we think about that's both reassuring and challenging for us. Uh, reassuring, there are times when I don't know what to pray. I don't know how to pray in a certain circumstance. And Romans chapter 8, verse 26 tells us, the Bible says the Holy Spirit does that. He prays for us. He speaks those words for us. Even, he even forms the words that we don't know how to say. Why does he do that? How does he do that? Because he knows us from the inside out, doesn't he? He knows my thoughts. He knows my sins. He knows my dreams. He knows my hopes. He knows my failures. He knows my strengths. He knows my weaknesses. He knows it all. He even knows my motives. I might be doing a good thing, but I have a wrong motive, and God knows that. He knows my motive. And God will reward for what he sees in us. He will reward us, is what the Bible says. That's great to know. But what is the reward from God? What is the reward that God's going to give us? We all want the reward, right? What is that going to be? I don't think the reward from God is all the gifts that he might give us, that he could give us. I don't think that fits well in the passage here. To say I'm going to fast, I'm going to fast until God gives me that new Corvette. I'm going to fast until God gives me that new job. I'm going to fast until God gives me that new home or whatever it is that you want. To say I'm going to do that, even if it takes me three or four hours of fasting, I'm willing to do that, God. Or even if it takes me a few days, I'll do whatever it is. If you look at fasting, is a way of forcing God's hand to get what you want. You're misunderstanding fasting. That's not what it is. Or maybe you're kind of putting God in a box, that God has to do it because you're so sincere and you're fasting. God, I'm sacrificing here, so you've got to respond. You've got to act on what I'm asking you. Then you've got the wrong idea of fasting. That's not what fasting is either. Not to get what you want. That's not what it is. I think the reward of fasting, here's the key. It starts with the presence of God, what we really long for his presence in our life. When we come sincerely and we set aside food, and sincerely we come to draw closer to God, that's why I'm fasting. That's the reason and purpose of fasting, not to get what you want, not so I can get that new whatever it is that you want, that, boy, I've been asking for this, God, I really want you to answer, give me what I want, so I'm going to fast. No, fasting is so I can connect with God and, and enjoy the presence of God. And if I'm really sincere our relationship will deepen. If I'm really sincere and say, God, my motive, my pure motive is to connect and reconnect with you. 
I want to draw closer to you. All the other things, God, that you're going to do in my life are secondary, but my primary reason that I'm fasting is to connect with you, and if we're sincere about that, God's going to meet us where we're at right then and there, and our relationship is going to deepen. And we're going to learn some things about God that we didn't know. We're going to learn some things about ourselves, right? Because that's how God is. If we're sincere, God's going to meet us where we're at. If we're not so sincere and, oh, I'm just doing it because I want people to see, God, God's going to meet us there too. He says, we're not going to get much out of this. It's what we put into it. It's what we get out of it, right? It's my heart sincere. God will meet us where we're at, and I promise you, you will not come away sorry for the, for the time spent with him. He's going to bless you. I think there are eternal consequences for that. I really do think that when we fast, there's eternal consequences, uh, blessings and rewards. But I think there's present-day rewards as well as a result of that for fasting that we grow closer to God, and our relationship with Him deepens in a greater degree than it was before when we fast, and we put God first in our lives. So we pray expectantly. We're praying expectantly. When Moses was praying in the Old Testament, he prayed and fasted, and that's when God gave him the, the commandments. And as a result of that, we have the true definition of what God considers right and wrong, right? We know from that. By Moses fasting, God answered him, gave him the commandments. Now we, you and I know what what God considers right and wrong. When Jesus prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, do you think anything came from that? Yes, it did. Something came from that. He prayed and fasted for 40 days and 40 nights, and then he was tempted by the evil one, by Satan in the wilderness, right? And it helps me a lot to understand that the wicked one comes along and says, you see that stone? And they believe these stones in, in Israel have flat stones. They say that stone looks like a loaf of bread. See that stone there? It looks like a loaf of bread. You could turn it into bread. You can do it. I know you can do that. You can turn it into bread, and you can eat. And Jesus, from those temptations, he didn't do that. He gave a model for dealing with those temptations, is what we see from Scripture, where he quotes Scripture, Deuteronomy, three different times, and those three different times he was tempted, right? And he says, man should not live by bread alone, but every word that proceeded from the mouth of God. And he overcame that temptation by the Word of God. So he helps me to understand that when I'm tempted, what do I need to do? He gave me the example. Quote the Word of God quote the Word of God. It helps me out of that. And from that time of prayer and fasting, what we find is that Jesus was entered a time of temptation that led to a ministry inauguration, and then the kingdom of Jesus was beginning to unfold, we see. In Acts chapter 13, there the church was started. Their church in Acts chapter 13 was in Antioch, and they were on fire for Jesus. They were sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ, and many people were coming to know Jesus as their Savior. But their top two leaders of the church, their teachers, was uh, Paul and Barnabas were the teachers. And it'd be exhilarating. They see the Spirit of God at working there, people coming to Christ. The Holy Spirit moved upon them, though, said, I want to take your two best, Paul and Barnabas, and I want to send them out on missionary journeys to share the gospel around the world, first to the Jew and then to the Gentile. And so, but the Bible says they prayed and fasted before they moved. What was the result of their prayer and fasting? the greatest missionary movement we've ever seen. Uh, the salvation of souls, salvation uh, uh, of starting churches, and salvation of the Gentiles, which you and I are privileged of that today. Because the gospel of Jesus Christ went to the western part through Paul and Barnabas, you and I are benefits of that today. We have the gospel to us, to the Gentiles. You read in the book of Judges, the Israelites were fighting with the other tribes, Benjamin, and they were killing each other. And they came to terms, say, we need to stop this, and we need to pray and fast. So they stopped and prayed and fast and asked for God to guide them. So you can pray without fasting, right? You can pray without fasting, and many people do. But in my, to me, you can't fast without praying. Fasting without praying to me is just a diet. 
That's all it is. If you're going to say, I'm going to fast and I'm not going to pray, it's just a diet. What you're doing is going on a diet and you're calling it a fast, but it's not as a diet. But to fast and pray for the purpose of drawing closer to God, that is something really, really special. When I gave the definition earlier for fasting, and I said abstaining from something is typically food for a determined period of time to weaken the flesh while strengthening the spirit. Except abstaining from something. Normally it was food. In the Bible it was food. They, they, they abstained from food. But let me encourage you to consider fasting. There's nowhere it's commanded in the Bible for the church. You need to know that. It's not commanded. It's nowhere. You won't find it in there. It's not commanded. You could argue that Jesus expected us to do it. It says in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, do this. You can say Jesus expected us to fast. But there's nowhere commanded. So I can't say to you, go fast. It's not commanded there. That's a personal decision. Every one of us will have to choose to do that if I want to connect or draw closer to God to fast. But let me encourage you, if you are fasting, take it slowly. If you're going to fast from food, if you have any medical issues, go see a doctor before you fast. Make sure you're all right to do that. But if you're going to fast, I usually tell people if it's going to be from food, start with one meal and make sure it's all right, you're fasting. And if you fast for a day, if it's from food or anything else, it doesn't have to be the morning to night. It can be 1 o'clock in the afternoon to 1 o'clock the next day. But you're fast. But when you fast, what's really important is just not fasting, but you're reading the Word of God, drawing closer to God. You're praying. And your whole idea is, I want to connect with you, Jesus. I want to draw close to you. For some of you, it may not be food. Your fasting may not be the issue. It might be some other things that are going on in your life that are so distracting you from the pursuit of God. I got all these other things in my life, and it's not really food that's in my way, but it's other things. You might try to say, I need to stop doing some of those things for a while. It might be a hobby that I may just need to stop. Or a big thing today is social media, whatever it may be you're using. Maybe you want to stop it for a day, two days, a week, or maybe two, two weeks, so you can just connect with an almighty God. See, I'm just going to stop that. And the time that I spend, and it might be for some of you a lot of time you spend in social media, so you can spend a lot of time instead of doing that with God, connecting with him, drawing closer to him. And not commanded, but I encourage you to consider it. If you're going through a time of a particular sin in your life, and you confessed it a hundred times, and you keep doing it, and you've got the guilt and shame. You wonder if God's going to forgive you for that same sin you constantly commit over and over. Maybe we can consider a fast, kind of a spiritual detoxification, where I'm coming for God and I'm putting off food or whatever it may be, social media or whatever it is in your life. And instead of doing that, the time that I've spent on that, I'm going to connect with God and spend some time with Him pouring out my heart, getting the Word of God, praying, fasting, all those kind of things. If you have a prayer request that is so heavy that makes you weep and worry and burdensome, you can't sleep at night, you may want to spend some time before God in a fast and do that. You might say, I need to fast. I need to just get God's, uh, his, what He wants me to do, His direction and guidance in my life with that. Or maybe you say, I keep making these promises to God to read my Bible and pray, but after I do that, it's a couple weeks or a month later, I find myself I'm not doing it any longer. And I am not growing spiritually, and I need to really shake some things up. Really need to shake it up. And many of us need that. We have seasons in our life where we need to shake it up, right? And maybe you're here today, and you feel like that, then I need to shake it up. You might want to consider a fast. Again, that's between you and God. He'll show you how to do that, right? He'll guide you and direct you on what to do. It's not commanded in the Bible, but it's a suggestion. 
to help us to spur us on to, to really draw closer to Jesus, to be on fire for him. If you're here this morning, you say, I'm not on fire for Christ anymore. I don't have that passion. You might want to consider a, a, a fast, consecration type of, type of fast, just to get before him. But the most important thing for all of us is knowing Jesus. Amen? That's the most important thing. Because you can fast for 40 days and 40 nights, and if you don't know Jesus, there's no reward, there's no connection. It's just an outward act of righteousness, which does nothing, absolutely nothing on the inside. It's just outward acts of good works, and that's all it is. And it does nothing. Let me say this. It does nothing to impress our Heavenly Father. Because unless you have Jesus, we can't do good acts of righteousness to God, right? Because we haven't been obedient to Him in the first place, where he wants us to accept his son. And if you're here today and you don't know Jesus, you're on this journey of your life, I want to let you know that God loves you. He really does love you. And the two baptisms we had today gave testimony of God's love. And he wants to have a relationship with you. But because of our sin, it separates us from a holy, just, righteous, perfect God. And there's no way that you and I can approach a God. There's no way that you and I can do good works that God's going to say, oh, I'm going to accept you. It doesn't work that way. So God knows that we're helpless and hopeless in our condition. There's no way we can get to heaven. So God sends his son, Jesus, from heaven, who is God. He comes down to this earth to become like us. And, and he went to the cross. In all of our sins, your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world, past, present, and future, were placed upon Jesus. Jesus died, and he paid for the sins, your sins, my sins, the sins of the whole world. It's been paid in full by Jesus. And then he was buried and raised on the third day. And now you and I have the opportunity to come before a holy, just, righteous God, but we have to come to him his way that he's provided, right? In any other way we try to come beside the way he's provided, it's an abomination to him. It's like we're not accepting what he offered to us. Free salvation through Jesus. And what we have to do is accept what Jesus Christ did for us upon the cross by recognizing two things. Who Jesus is, that he's the son of God, that he's God, what he did for us, that he died on the cross for our sins. He was buried and raised on the third day. And all you have to do is say, God, I understand I'm a sinner, and I know that Jesus Christ died on the cross for my sins. And you accept him by faith. That's what it is, by faith. Jesus says, I am the truth, the way, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. The only way to get to heaven, the only way to get to God the Father is through Jesus Christ. Once you accept Jesus, then you have forgiveness of sins, you have hope and eternity to be with Jesus forever and ever, and now you're in the family of God. Amen? But it's only through Jesus. It's only through Jesus. No other way. No matter what anybody tells you, there's no other way. Jesus said it himself. He's the only way. If you're here today, you've never accepted Christ, do that. If you have questions, please come and see me. Get your questions answered. Don't put that off. That's the most important thing you can do. Fasting will not do you any good. It's to accept Jesus Christ, your Savior. For all of us that are here, I want you to consider fasting. That's between you and God. That's between you and God, what you're going to do and the type of fast you need to do. But may I encourage all of you, since we're in prayer and fasting, if you have a prayer request today, if you've got something that's really burdening you, we all have those, don't we? That you'd write it down and submit it as a prayer request so we can pray for you. That's what this is, prayer and fasting. We want to pray for you. It goes to our prayer partners, and we want to pray for you. Or if you're burdened with something, maybe this morning you've got a burden and it's so heavy, you say, man, I can't carry it anymore. You're not supposed to. You're not supposed to carry it all by yourself. You're supposed to share that with everyone else. That's what a family's for. The church is the family to share it. And so we can come alongside with you and pray with you and, and help you with your burden and, and just kind of help you a little bit, put, your, put our arms around you and help you. 
and listen to you so you can get through that. That's what we're here for. None of us have arrived. We all need each other, right? And that's what a family is for. As we're on this journey with Jesus, we need each other. Submit your prayer request. Amen? So we do that. Consider a fast, guys. Not mandatory, but consider it. But we can go to the potluck after this and we can enjoy that first, right? And then we can consider that fast. We don't want all that food to go to waste. Let's go to Lord in prayer. Lord, we praise you and we thank you so much because, God, you are so, so, so good to us each and every day, Lord. You're so good. But, God, you, you love us so much that you don't leave us here to figure things out for ourselves. You didn't say, I saved you, I died in the cross for you, so now you're on your own. No, no, no. God, you love us too much to do that. For, God, when, you, when we come and put our faith and trust in you, Jesus, you sent the Holy Spirit and he now lives inside of us. Your spirit, the spirit of God, lives inside of us. And he teaches us all things. He helps us to understand and know the truth of God's word. He guides us and leads us. He convicts us. But Lord, we got to listen to him. We got to yield to him. And I pray this morning, Lord, that each and every one of us would check our own hearts. Because that's what you're interested in, God, is our heart. Is our hearts right with you? Is our hearts in line with you? We have our own agenda, our own things we want to do. But are we working out the plan of God in our lives? And I pray that for each person here. I pray that each person here, Lord, as they consider their next step with you, Jesus, as they draw closer to you, that you would help them to understand what that may be for them today. It might be to accept Jesus Christ, their Savior. I pray that anybody does not know you, that to accept Christ. It might pray to take the next step into the waters of baptism. It might pray to, to get in a Bible study, a small group. It might be the, to, to start serving, using those gifts that you so much blessed them with to use those. It might be that they haven't been giving, and they might give their offering and tithe. It might be that, Lord. Whatever it is, that we might take that next step with you, Jesus, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Give us the boldness to take that step. As we witnessed the two this morning of being baptized, Lord, taking that next step with you, when we follow, as they gave us an example this morning, Lord, we can take that next step with you, whatever it may be. It's just as important for us to be following you. And Lord, if it's something in our lives where we have a prayer request or our sin, or Lord, our lives are just lukewarm, maybe, Lord, we might need to consider a fast to draw closer to you. Fast, not maybe not from food, but from other things in our life that, that keeps us from pursuing you. It become in the way of us following you that sometimes, Lord, we need to put that aside because we need to draw closer to you. I pray that for everyone. I pray that our hearts and minds, Lord, uh, have on fire for you, Jesus. That, Lord, we want to see you and put you in your proper place first in our lives. Lord, you may, may you be glorified <clears throat> through our hearts and minds today. We sing this last song. And, Lord, we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.